talking about revolution. Welcome to What's Your Revolution? This is the show dedicated to helping men understand and embrace a healthy masculinity. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corpru. I remember as a young boy being fascinated with my parents' wedding album. I knew over the course of my childhood, uh, I probably looked at their wedding album a hundred times. I saw my mother's laughter, my father's cat-like grin as he took the garter from her leg. I saw joy in their eyes as they cut the cake and fed it to one another. For the last 45 years, I've had privy to what happened after that day. They have been married for 52 years. It has been a lot of joy and some pain. We struggled as a family. They struggled as a couple. My father wrestled with his ideas of masculinity, and my mother fought it to keep it all together. But here we are now. Three only children, three best, three best friends, a family full of love. As my parents bask in the sunset of their lives, they show me the epitome of a healthy relationship. Trust, love, communications, interdependence, and friendship. When I am home, I watch this love affair unfold. She cooks, he washes the dishes. He washes the clothes, she folds. She drives now. He navigates. <laughs> you know how that goes. He fusses. She fusses right back. She loves. He loves even more. Relationships are not easy. But what they have shown me is that when we are able to find our best selves, that we then can give our best selves to the people who love us. Somewhere during those 52 years together, they found the best of themselves and have been giving it, giving it to each other every day. Thus, today, I want to spend our time together discussing relationships between men and women, the good, the bad, the ugly, and how we as men can bring our best and healthiest versions to our relationships. I am fortunate to have licensed professional counselor, extraordinaire, wonderful, superstar, Dr. Tammy Wilborn of Wilborn Clinical Services. Good afternoon, Dr. Wilborn. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on your show. I am I am excited, excited to have you. Um, so the question that we ask every one of our guests, the first question is, what's your revolution? Um, I think for me, my revolution is wellness. Um, I think as a licensed professional counselor um, and, and doing the work that I do to try to facilitate mental wellness, um, it becomes clear to me that when people are well, they can do, be, uh, free to, to do and be whoever it is that they want to be and, and to be able to have healthy relationships with themselves and with other people. So wellness is my revolution. Can you define that a little bit more? Wellness, what does that mean? Well, wellness has a couple of different um, domains. So when I think about wellness, there's uh, wellness uh, attached to mental health wellness. So uh, ideally, wellness is uh, functioning uh, at a level free of impairment. Yeah. Uh, free. So if you're if you are mentally well, then your mind is sort of operating without um, 
disordered thinking or distressful patterns that are kind of getting in the way of you living your life, um, you know, day-to-day sort of lived lived life, I guess. Uh, wellness, for example, physical wellness is, you know, of course, free from physical disorders and free from physical uh, impairment. So when I think of wellness in general, it, it is free from an impairment um, that allows people to operate optimally. Optimally. Allows yeah. people to operate optimally. That's an interesting statement. How often do we get to that point of wellness? Is is that a uh, a goal that is unachievable? Do we get to a, a, a penultimate goal of wellness, or is that a journey that is continual? I think wellness is a journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure we arrive at complete wellness. I think it's you know we're always working to improve it to you know approach it if we don't quite have it. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's more of a journey. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure that you see a lot of, a lot of people uh, along that journey. Um, we've talked a lot in the first couple of shows about going to therapy, men going to therapy, and what that looks like a little bit. Um, could you tell the audience just about what happens in your practice, you know, and why it's important, really, because you're the you're the first clinician that we've had on the show. Why it's important for individuals, and then we'll get to that couples to come seek therapy. Well, I think counseling is important, one, because it's a professional relationship that allows people to maybe for the first time think about what does it mean to live my life well. And a lot of people come uh, to counseling because they've been managing the best that they could with things that are kind of getting in the way. Um, And, you know, there's always uh, no shortage of advice so that, you know, the by the time they show up, everybody's already told them what to do, how to do it, you know, who they should be with, who they shouldn't be with, who they should be with. And counseling is not about that. Counseling is not about advice giving. It's not about judgment. Um, it's it's about creating, um, it, it, for one, it's a professional relationship. So that's that's the important piece to, to know is that it is not like all of your other relationships. Right, right. This is a professional relationship where non-judgment, um, where uh, the goal of this work is really for you, the client, to arrive on the other side of whatever it is that you're desiring for yourself. Um, and that could be what? what? What do people desire on the other side of this? You know, some people will come with things as, as big as happy. Okay. Right? right. I want to be happy. And very a, broad. It's very broad. And so as a counselor, we have to, uh, one, acknowledge that, yes, happiness is something that you can have, but we have to make that measurable. We, we have to figure out how do we, what does that look like specifically for you, and how do we work together collaboratively for you to get to the side of happy that would allow you to operate optimally. So happiness uh, relationship issues, right, right. Um, particularly my practice right now is probably 90% uh, female and mostly black females. And so the things that we're coming with um, are issues of work relationships, um, stressing us out, uh, personal relationships, uh, existential stuff like not feeling good enough. Right. Um, being invisible, being invisible, right. or being hyper visible. Right. You know, there's right. the, there's the invisibility, and then there's all. It's interesting that you can operate a space simultaneously of invisibility and hyper visibility right. at the same right. time. Right. Um, and so when hyper visibility is at play, um, 
you know, just doing a whole lot of things for a whole lot of people and not not reciprocating that for oneself. That superwoman. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So counseling is about creating a, a, a therapeutic sort of containment for people to kind of unload and let some of that let some of that stuff go, uh, and and also recognize that um, you can change has to be arranged. And counseling <laughs> I love is, that change has to be arranged. Yeah, and counseling creates an opportunity for folks to work collaboratively to arrange that change. Right. That's beautiful. I, I, the the running joke with my therapist is that he takes my superpowers away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, look, give them back. You know, th- this anger <laughs> is useful. Self serving. It is so. When I need to get angry, but you're taking this away from me. Mm-hmm. Um, the interesting thing that you said is that um, about 90% of your clients are women. Mm-hmm. So there's a couple things that, that that comes out of that is that why aren't men coming to see you? Well, in general, I mean, just as a general trend, uh, men don't come to see therapists as a general trend. So not, you know, not even just so much about not coming to my practice, but, um, you know, one of the things that we know just from the research in terms of demographics, who comes is mostly usually women. Um, So I think that's, that's there. I think in part why men perhaps may not show up to therapy um, is some of those socialization sort of messages about, uh, you know, talking to somebody right. uh, and being vulnerable with somebody. Uh, that V word. There, <laughs> that there, v there word. you go, throwing that V word yeah. out again, vulnerability. Yeah, v, that, but that's that's the core of what makes therapy work. And so I think, you know, to uh, perhaps be a, a man who has been socialized to uh, see that V word is threatening um, and then you want me to to do that in therapy with you and, and, and allow myself to, to be seen in ways that perhaps other people don't get to see because, you know, they're sort of performing this masculinity thing. Right. Um, that can be frightening. And it's kind of a double-edged sword. So, you know, you're asking me to be, be vulnerable. You're a woman, mm-hmm. right? So if I'm vulnerable with you, I may be showing my weakness. Yes. But then if I go see a man, there's there's that whole masculine play that, comes out of that as well mm-hmm. and you have to you have to be able to trust um full disclosure my my therapist is a man and we speak very similar you know there's a level of trust there's a there's a strong level of vulnerability but i had to get over that i'm telling another man some of my deepest darkest weakest yes. points and secrets mm-hmm. to getting over to get over that and so it was really hard for me because my usually my therapists have been women, mm-hmm. have been African-American women. And so I felt more comfortable, you know, going to see an African-American woman. There was that level of compassion and understanding yes. that I felt that I would get, that you understand, mm-hmm. you know, and I don't have to compete with uh, a level of masculinity with you. I had to get over that. Mm-hmm. I definitely had to get over that. Um, but I wanted to, as you said, get to the other side, yeah. you know, and find that place of happiness and wellness and as you said, it is, it is a continued journey. Um, you said something about personal relationships with women. Mm-hmm. Are those conversations, I know we can't divulge but, uh, like we want to, but are those conversations uh, at length about their relationships with men? Yes. What, what are women saying? What are the sisters saying? Some of the sisters aren't happy. Um, you know, some some of the things that are coming out in therapy uh, around intimate relationships is, um, you know, I see women giving a lot of themselves, uh, 
uh, to men, and I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again here, they're giving a lot of themselves to men who, who just who aren't choosing them in, mm. the, in the way that um, the level of vulnerability and giving that they're giving doesn't match with the person that they're with. You know, these women are giving themselves in ways that, you know, and they'll say, I, I want to be married or right. I want to be, to be, you know, monogamously partnered in some way. Uh, but they are doing that with men who are clearly by either, you know, what they're saying or what their actions show uh, that that's not what they want from them. And so they're spending a whole lot of time um, with people who just are not choosing them at the same level that they are, choo- you know, wow. sort of engaging with them at. Right. Um, other things, inter- you know, was 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 un- sort of another thing that's coming up too is uh, intimacy and, and sex. And right. so I hear women saying they're not fulfilled, um, which is, um, for me, just in my own work, that's new to be sort of hearing women talk more explicitly about not being happy sexually. Right. And um, Is that a level of empowerment now that women are coming out and saying that I'm not happy sexually? I'm not sure if there's a level of, perhaps. I mean, I think there is, there is a bit of... <laughs> zeitgeist, I guess, around women being able to talk more freely about sexuality and sexual identity and all of the different things that are sort of attached to that. Um, But also the women that have said that have also, I guess, in their own way, uh, they're walking that journey towards wellness. And they know that part of wellness means not lying to themselves. Right, right. Um, Because you could lie to me, but Lying to yourself is not going to get you well. So I think part of that is just women saying, "I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of lying. I want something different. I want something better." So that, that, that I'm, I'm gonna come back to that in one second. You are listening to WBOK 12:30 a.m. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I am Dr. Charles Corporu. I'm here today with my wonderful guest, Dr. Tammy Wilborn, uh, and we're talking healthy relationships between men and women. I want to give a special shout out to the W.K. Kellogg Foundation for their strong support of this program. You said something quite interesting. You know, this, this revolution that you're seeing in your practice that women are coming in and saying, I'm not satisfied sexually. Mm-hmm. Are they telling this to the men? No. And that, that, that in itself may be problematic in the relationship. You know, we haven't even got to what a healthy relationship even looks like. But, if you know, I want to unpack that a little bit more because, you know, many of us go into the sexual relationship thinking that I'm laying it down, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, I'm walking out. I'm walking out like I've done, I've, I've <laughs> done my job. I've done my business. You handle your business. Yeah, I've yeah. Ha- handled my business. And the women are like, no, not so much. Right. And so that's a, that's a conversation. You know, I think that as we get into what the um, the characteristics and qualities of healthy relationships, it is being honest and open about some critical conversations that may not be having. Yes. So why do you think that sisters are not having that critical, pivotal, necessary conversation about their sexual satisfaction? Well, I think it kind of goes back again to some of those, that socialization and some of that messaging. I mean, you know, when you think about how are we socialized around sex, I mean, oftentimes um, we're socialized that it's taboo or it should only occur within this certain context with a certain person. Um, you You know, I had one client say to me that sex is patriarchal. It's all about men because, you know, 
some of the socialization messages around sex are that women are just really there for the gratification of right. men. And so there's sex, you know, it, it seems that we haven't been socialized to see sex as, sex as mutually gratifying. Right. And you said we, you're talking about women. We, yeah. Right. Yeah, uh -huh. yeah. So, um, so if you are a woman, for example, who who you receive those sort of messages either implicitly or explicitly that sex is really not really about you, it's harder to say to a person that you care about right. that this isn't working for right, me. Um, right. You know, let's try something different. Uh, the other thing is not only do you have to deal with some of those larger messages around that, but then you have to deal with the ego of the partner who was, <laughs> who was really thinking he was bringing it, laying it down, and you're like, no, not really. That, um, that, that's interesting because we, what we have to understand is that both people in that act have egos. Mm -hmm. all right? And you're bringing, uh, and we've talked about this uh, off air, you're bringing your collective experiences. And maybe that was on, on, on my Facebook page today. Those collective experiences into every interaction with your partner. Mm -hmm. And so if neither one of you have done the work, you know, and you're bringing this set of expectations into that encounter, mm -hmm. and you've never, and so you've never had someone check you never had someone check you what happens it can be it can be it can tear down the fabric of your relationship and i don't think that and this is just my opinion i don't think that if couples don't have the honest open communication about sex and sexual pleasure and what it means to be with each other intimately mm -hmm. It will tear apart the fabric of your relationship, Absolutely. and it will dissipate, and you will walk away wondering what happened. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. I mean, I think that foundation of of being able to communicate uh, that dissatisfaction to to a partner that you are choosing um, is found is is important to to be able to say that I am having this conversation with you, not as an attack of you. Or rather, this is an attempt to really build the relationship. Right, you know right. that that this conversation is not meant to be disruptive, although it it tends to be. You know, so when I've had conversations with clients who have said, "Yeah, I did actually say that, and I did couch it in ways that were meant to be heard," it was still disruptive to the par the male partner. Right. Um, it can, and conversely, it can be very disruptive to the female partner. Conversely, mm -hmm. but but typically. Uh, not as much. I know what you're about to say. <laughs> uh, we take it hard because yeah. we are socialized as men. Exactly. All right? Our sexuality, our prowess. If you take away everything else, you take away my money, my house, mm -hmm. my car, my job, right? The, what am I left with? Mm -hmm. I'm left with my sexuality and my sexual prowess. Yeah. I can still do this well. But then now, wait a minute. Whoa. You're saying that I didn't pleasure you? And that that can and that can be problematic to the ego of a man. Indeed. Right. And so, the healthiest version of us, and we have to get there, is that I need to hear the needs of my partner, mm -hmm. but we have to lay down that huge ego when it comes when it comes to that sexual prowess to really hear our partner. And that is very very tough, at least from my opinion. Yeah. That is tough for men because. Strip us down. That's what we've got. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's what you have been socialized exactly. to believe that you have. Exactly, exactly, and that's a very good point. We've been socialized yeah. to believe, and that that is historical. Sure, all the way back to slavery. Yeah, 
you know, that mm-hmm. we are going to use you to breed. We're going to have the biggest to breed. And that sexual, even that sexual competition there. And so that 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 is, you know, I think I'm getting a little too No, because <laughs> I was already there with you with this. this I mean, because, you know, the historical context of slavery is a whole nother context for healthy relationships. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Generally, sort of speaking. And then uh, as a context for intimacy. Mm-hmm. Because if you think, again, about, you know, the impact that must have been present for people who were married, for example, to have a, you know, to an enslaved man and an enslaved woman who are married, you know, for this man to perhaps have to witness his wife being raped. Right. Right. Exactly. And and for, and her experience Mm -hmm. of being raped and having to bear children from that context. And then what happens generationally uh, when perhaps, uh, legalized slavery is no longer the rule of the day, but then you have, you know, sort of at a emotional, psychological, cellular level, the presence of slavery being right. passed down. Right. Exactly. All yeah. of that is present. Right. Yeah. All, all of that is present as we try to focus in on having the best, most productive relationship. And, you know, the, the old saying um, is that sex is not an important relationship if it's good. Yes. It is the most important aspect of the relationship if something's going wrong, yes, you know, and having that level of communication. So moving, not, not moving away from that conversation, but wanting to ensure that people can take away, if you're having that issue in your relationship, how do you begin to have that conversation? How do you begin it, to have that conversation with your partner, knowing that this is going to challenge the fabric of your relationship, the fiber of your relationship? Because... I'm 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 laying it down. Sure. You know? Well, I mean, I think I have to even go back before the conversation. I think um because it's not just the conversation that that needs to be there, but it also needs to be a couple of things. It needs to be the choosing of one another, you know, sort of the choosing of one another and and and, and attached to that the commitment of that choice, you know. So, if I'm choosing you, I am saying to you that I am committing at least I hope that's what that means, right. that I'm committing to this relationship being successful. And as and, and that is reflected in, hopefully, when I have conversations with you about things that I'm not happy about, that you are hearing that as an opportunity for relationship building, not relationship destroying. But if there is, in my opinion, if there's no foundation for we are choosing each other, and this is just really a situation because I've had folks say, oh, I'm just really in a situation. Oh, well, you're not even in a relationship. Right, so right, right. that's a whole different context. Right. You know? But if you are in a relationship of choice, uh, one of consent, choice and consent are critical as well to this whole having that conversation because the consent is attached to, again, I want you. Right, right. I am consenting to be with you. <laughs> and to be involved with you in this way. So if you are consenting with me as well, hear me when I say this is coming from a space of building. Right, and love. And love. And trust. And trust, and not intended to be destructive. Now, it doesn't mean that the person receiving that doesn't feel hurt. You right. are still, right. that is still valid, that is still real. 
But even that creates an opportunity for conversation. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about why that's hurtful to you. Let's also talk about, hey, it's hurting me. You know, it's hurting me to know that you're hurt by that. But we can build from that. So, yeah, you know, having a foundation of a relationship based off of choice and not need, um, I think, creates a space for a healthy relationship. I, I, I totally agree. And I think the, the key thing that you just said is that choice. So we're talking about relationships. We're not, not, we're not talking about the hookup. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about when two consenting adults choose one another and choose to be in a relationship. Um, and I think in one of the questions that you and I talked about, where do we get those images of how, how we're going to choose? And we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But mm-hmm. I think that's critical because for many men, we may not be making the choice to consent to be in that with that person. Mm-hmm. As you said, women may be choosing men who may not choose them to have that long-term intimate partner relationship. Yes. And so that may cause some of the stress, a lot of the stress that you see with the women that are coming into your practice. Mm-hmm. But back to that conversation, when you choose to consent and be together, and you got to have that hard conversation, do you need to come to Dr. Wilborn to begin that process? Not necessarily. I mean, if, if you um, have, you know, experienced or experienced or have seen healthy relationships and perhaps have had for you modeled how to have maybe crucial conversations mm-hmm. with a partner, perhaps you, you don't need somebody to facilitate your ability to do that. Where people need to see me to be able to do that are those people who have not had those experiences. So they've not had those messages uh, of how to do that. or They've not had the, the exposure, the imaging to know how to do that. And so um, those are the folks that tend to show up and say, you know, I saw some stuff in my childhood or I had some things happen to me in my adulthood and, and now it's skewed my ability to, to be able to comfortably, you know, speak from a place of, of honesty. Um, those are the people who struggle the most, yeah. And I think, it's interesting, you said 90% of the people that come see you are women, and what you're hearing in those conversations is that I'm not satisfied. Brothers are not having those conversations. You know, brothers are not having those conversations with themselves, and I don't think that they're having those conversations with other men. Mm -hmm. Um, And they may, so I take that, they may be having conversations about what's going on with other men, but the conversation may not be about how do I fix this. Mm-hmm. The conversation may turn to, well, I'm not satisfied, so how am I going to either vacate this or how am I, how am I going to facilitate that need that I'm not getting in my relationship? Mm-hmm. Because um, that's a tough conversation, and I'm just going to be keep it real. Mm-hmm. That's a tough conversation to say, you know what, I'm going to sit down, babe, on either side, as we've been saying, something's just not right. And that's why I ask you, when do we go? Because I think for men, a good man doesn't want to hurt his partner's feeling. Mm -hmm. A good woman doesn't want to hurt her partner's feeling. But when you get down to that, you got to be in the healthiest state of your relationship. Do you agree? I'm not sure if you... I I think being in the healthiest state of your relationship is helpful. Right. (laughs) But 
if that is the part of your relationship that is creating, uh, if you're is creating a context for it to be unhealthy, I don't know if you can wait to get okay. there. Okay, not, all right. I, I feel you. Yeah. I feel you. Um, that's interesting. I'd love to hear, you know, I'd love to hear from uh, our audience on this critical topic, you know, uh, having that critical conversation about sex yeah. um, with your partner and where are you in that healthy state. Um, this is WBOK, 1230 AM. Uh, if you have an opportunity, you want to talk to my good friend, Dr. Tammy Wilborn, uh, give us a call at 504 260 9265 504-260-9265. This is the What's Your Revolution show. I am your host, Dr. Charles Corporate. So we've been talking. Hopefully we get some, some, some callers on this issue. But we've been really talking about the some, one aspect, communication. Yeah. But what do you think? You know, and, and we had a conversation about you've been married for seven years, mm -hmm. right? And my parents have been married for 52 years. And as I said in the monologue, I've seen the ups and downs. What have you learned about a healthy relationship in the seven years that you have been married? Well, the, the first thing that I've learned about um, my relationship in terms of, you know, how we try to create health in our relationship goes back to what I said about the communication. But even, even more specific, the communication that I had to have with myself about what kind of man that I want to have. And not just what kind of man that I want to have, but like, what are my non-negotiables? Um, non-negotiable. So it was interesting. Do I have time to tell this quick, small Go story? Go ahead. We got time. So interestingly enough, I was traveling somewhere on the plane, and um, before I got married, I would strike up random conversations with people. I would sort of poll random strangers about marriage and, right. and like, right. what is your advice about uh, what makes a marriage work, and of course people would say communication all the time. Well, anyway, struck up a small conversation with a, someone who was also traveling, and she mentioned that uh, her she had a sister who wanted to be married, was single for a long time, and decided to do something different. So she created a list of uh, characteristics, essentially, that she wanted in a partner, and I think she mentioned perhaps that maybe she prayed over it, and and lo and behold, this person showed up and was, you know, all the characteristics were on the list. Well, I was bold enough to believe that that would happen <laughs> for me. So um, I literally sat down one night and uh, wrote out a list of about 12 things um, that at the time, they weren't labeled as characteristics. They were labeled as uh, the things that God would have uh, in the man for me or something like that. Right, like, Because right. it was also a spiritual piece for me as well. So I wrote, you know reflected on it, came up with about 12 things. And the 12 things were things that I absolutely had to have. Had to have. Non-negotiable. They were non-negotiable. 12? All, all 12 of them. Ooh, and that's, that's a lot. It didn't seem like a lot because I've tried <laughs> yeah. to, I've facilitated that intervention with other, you know, I've had clients and they're like, I have 35. And I'm like, girl, you got too many. You're negotiating somewhere. That's too many. Um, 35. But, <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, and so in the first conversation with my husband, I was able to check off six things off of that oh, list. Okay. All right. Within the month of us talking continually, um, I was able to check off the other six. That's no lie. Right. Um, and since we've been married, I can continue to reference the list to know, wow. oh, we're still in a good right, spot. Cause right. Still, he's, Cause those things have not changed in terms of what I need. But now I, I, it's almost like a baseline. Right. Like I sort of created a baseline for myself to be able to look at and go, yep, 
he's still doing these things, right. and so we're in a good spot. Um, so can I ask, can you divulge a little bit, what were, what were some of those 12? Sure. Well, one of them was that uh, he had to be a man who loved God. Okay. God All was right. import, is important right. to me. I'm not a religious person. I don't claim to be a Christian or anything like that, but God is central in my life. That was important. Um, I was a single mother, so the other non-negotiable was that I had to, uh, this man had to be someone who loved my son as his own. Right. Um, another thing was that he had to be a hard worker. He didn't have to be a millionaire. We need to be a hard worker. Got to get up and go to work. He needed to also make me laugh. That was important for me. Uh, one thing, the thing that is was the most critical, Doctor Corporal, that um, I was almost afraid and hoping that I would be able to check off was at that time I had decided and committed to celibacy because I had been giving myself to men who weren't choosing me, mm. and I knew that I was more than enough right and so celibacy, I should be chosen is what you indeed exactly. I should be chosen I should be chosen and, and wanted you know for for the values that I had and so uh, that came out as a conversation you know and I remember trepidatiously saying to him like this is the stance that I that I'm taking right. and even though I was trepidatious I was firm like it ain't happening brother. <laughs> right <laughs> you right. know but that's what I needed right I needed to know that in that last space around the celibacy piece, um, that you know that that you really wanted me and that you were in it, and that you were going to choose that me, that you were going to choose me, and he did. Right. And so, to me, listening to those characteristics, those things, you had to find a healthy man. Mm-hmm. You had to find a healthy man. So he had to love God, be able to have a conversation with you, and 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 pray and worship with you. Mm-hmm. All right. He had to be able to accept you as a mother and then take care of you and your son. Right? Had to be, in, to me, that's being in, in the healthiest state. Because if you cannot, if you're not choosing, if a man is not choosing you, he's not going to choose your son. That's right. He's not going to choose your philosophy, your, your religious philosophy. Mm-hmm. You said, I need a man who's going to get up and go to work. I don't need you to be a millionaire. I, don't, I just need to see, I need my son to see somebody. Yes. Who's going to get up and go to work? Because those are the, those are the ideals and values that I want to see my my son to see. Absolutely. Right. And then you said, "You're not going to get this, right? Because okay. this is who I am, and this I value myself. I've had some experiences that have made me feel a certain kind of way. Yes. And I want you to tr- I want you to love me for me. Yeah. You to me, that man had to be." in the healthiest state of himself because we just talked about sex and how important that is in a relationship right mm-hmm. and he said you're saying right now I, w- I want you to get to know me yeah and you said you were able to check off those first six things right there mm-hmm. well, my man you did your thing <laughs> <laughs> and I fortunately I was able to meet her husband a wonderful brother yeah. uh, wonderful brother but that is very interesting I would love to hear you know if uh, there are other sisters out there um, who have uh, non-negotiables, non-negotiables that you have to meet this certain criteria or I'm not. Yeah. And how many, how many of you all are sitting, sitting and not being chosen? Yeah. You know, and I, I, I put it out there. I haven't always been the best man, and I always, I haven't always chosen the women who chose me. Mm-hmm. That, that's part of why we do this show. You know, as, as selfishly, I get to come on air and talk about my journey from hypermasculinity mm-hmm. to healthy masculinity, to have these conversations, and to hear, particularly from a woman's perspective, about what it feels like 
to not be chosen and then to say these are the things that I'm going to put out there and they're non-negotiable. So if you choose me, that's fine. Don't choose me, that's fine. Because yeah. I'm not choosing I am not choosing you. So it's interesting. Um, so as you got to that point of saying, you know, I am, I have these non-negotiables, what were the images or messages that you saw that said, you know what, mm, maybe I need to take a step back and, and propose these non-negotiables? Mm -hmm. Because I, I don't feel, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong, is that you had those non-negotiables before that. Yeah. So what what were the images and messages that for you that says this this is the type of relationship I want to have? Um I'm not sure if I made the connection between the imaging and the non-negotiables, but I can definitely speak to the imaging and the messages just around how I approach relationships. You know, I grew up in a home uh my mother was a she was uh, my father died when I was 7 and she married uh when I was, you know, maybe a year or so after that. And um, in that relationship, in the beginning of that relationship, he was a great guy, you know, just embraced me as his own. Um, and then my mother had two more children. Um, unfortunately, that relationship uh, ended in divorce, and particularly because of domestic violence. And so some of the messages and imaging that I saw in my home was some, you know, men abusing or a man abusing my mother. Um, but... Uh, and 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 never, you know, I will. One of the things that we know is to have that kind of exposure is, um, to, for one, traumatic, right. and, 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 and what what that does to a, a child who sees that. Um, but the other thing that was interesting about that messaging that came from my mother in particular is, my mother, um, she was a hard working. She is still, you know, uh, she's retired now, but she was very clear. Um, because of her experiences with men being particularly abusive, men who weren't choosing her, who weren't valuing her, she told she sort of socialized me in particular to kind of have my own that you don't need a man kind of thing. And I remember very ind independent, very independent. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, um, you know, I, I've said this, I've said this before all the time. Like I remember in the midst of an argument with my mother. Uh, in the midst of it, my mother was having an argument with her husband at that time. She looked at me. I was nine years old. And she said, look, girl, let me tell you something. And don't ever forget this. And I never did. She said, make sure you have three things. Three. And as long as you have these three things, you're not going to need a blank for blank. Right. Okay. The three things, she said, make sure you have a job. Make sure you have a house. And make sure you have a car. If you have a job, a house, and a car, you good. You don't need no blank for blank. <laughs> that's that's helpful messaging if you are single. Right. It's it is, it is. But it, it takes it, it takes your partner out of the equation. It doesn't transfer nicely in a marriage. Right. And so uh, part of what I had to do is to sort of unpack that messaging around being independent. You know, the other message was, along with the job was go to school, get an education. Right. So I did all that. But the messaging didn't transfer healthily into a marriage because a marriage is partnership. Yeah, marriage is partnership. And so um, I had to unpack one, seeing my husband as a blank. My husband is not a blank, right? right? <laughs> He's my husband. Um, I had to unpack that, um, yeah, we're working, but we're working together. I don't need him to take care of me. Uh, nor do we necessarily need to be working independent. Like we have to do this thing together. Right. So some of that, some of those maternal and familial messages were there. Um, 
sort of, I guess, going beyond that, you know, more environmental and societally. Um, I grew up in the 80s and the 90s, so I love rap. Right. My N.W. Yes. And right. Yes. Right. Uh, yeah. Good old mis- misogynistic messages. Yeah, yes. <laughs> and if I hear it today, I'm going I'm to sing it because that's what I <laughs> Go ahead. Go on. ahead. Do your thing. I'm going to rap it. Go I'm ahead. Do your thing. Do it. Um, but those haven't always been the most healthy messages. Right. And so I think the other part of that, too, is is media, right? Music and, and TV. And so now we're sort of in an era where uh, we look on TV and what is commercialized is unhealthy relationships. Right, right. Um, and I forgot the original question. I'm just kind of no, going no, no, with what my mind no, is no, going. No, 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 you're doing your thing. Those images and messages that we you know, think about that shape us. And now I, I talked about you know watching my family, being you know, my mother and father being married for 52 years. I will be 46 in May. I have no intent to get married. Mm-hmm. It, is not, it is not on my radar. It is not, even though I saw that message. I have uh, a number of my, all of my best friends are married. So I have four best friends, two from high school and, and two from uh, graduate school. They're all married. They're all very happy. They're all in relationships with very, very good women. So I have good messaging, uh, at least from that perspective, but I have no intent on getting married. Are you putting me on the couch here, uh, Dr. Woodward? No. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> if you were on the couch, I wouldn't say why. No. I would say something like, tell me more. <laughs> um, tell me more. I think it, as we find, and I'm going to put this into the context, as we find our healthiest versions of ourselves, we we know who I, who we are, and I know who I am. I have uh, I have lived alone for the last 19 of the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoy that ability to come and go. Um, I'm not saying that I don't want to have a partner, all right? Not saying that partnership is is um, not where I want to be. I, I do. You know, I want to have long-term partnership. Uh, I even want to have a child. Um, but to me, I think knowing who I am, I know that marriage is not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to be the best partner that I can be. And, and I think that's critical in being in, in this growth, being able to give. And it's interesting, going back just for one second, that you said that you got these messages from your mother. I need one, two, and three. Men get those messages as well. Uh, And I know um, my mother taught me to cook. She taught me to clean. She taught me to take care of myself. My father said, if you borrow a dollar from me, you're going to pay that dollar back. All right? So all of of these things. So I'm very independent, you know? And so um, when a partner wants to take care of me, I'm like, "Uh, I don't know if I need all that. Mm Mm-hmm. But then I have to be able to say this may be this person's language, love. So it, in this partnership, I have to push aside my independent nature some, somewhat to be able to be the partner in the relationship. And I think that may be hard. I think that may be hard for some men because we are socialized to be independent, to be protector, to be provider, to be all of these things. But to be partner is not socialized. Mm-hmm. So how do we get to that point of socializing both men and women around the role of partnership? Understanding that we don't actually see a variety of messages that show us, show black men, black women, what partnership really looks like. Yeah. You're saying how do we get there? Yeah, how do we get there? How how, how do we even start to promote those images? So I can have at least a blueprint. I can look, oh, wow. You know, it's been 30 years since we saw, you know, Cliff Huxtable, mm-hmm. you know, the Huxtables. It's been 30 years. And so I, I, I'm loving Anthony Anderson and Blackish and seeing that whole family dynamic. 
But where do we? Where else do we go? Yeah, I think that's an important question. Is you know how do you access um, those relationships or those or, or, or those experiences that that kind of reflect what you that you want to have? I think you have to be intentional about searching for them and finding them. Um, one of the things that um, I always sort of uh, recommend to people who are saying, you know, look, I don't see people who are doing the things that I want to do or, you know, maybe identifying in the way that I want to identify. And I say to them, does that exist anywhere? And if so, you know, go find it. What's stopping you from doing that? So I think sometimes being very intentional about the connections that we make in terms of our, you know, for example, so if you're a person that wants to be married, um, you can hang with your single girls. You might not learn a whole lot about how to be married. <laughs> you can roll with them. But are they going to communicate to you or uh, model for you right. a relationship that you want that perhaps they don't have? Perhaps not. So maybe, uh, you know, connecting with married couples, if that's what you want to be. Um, but sometimes married couples don't want to hang out with single people. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they <laughs> don't. Because you know, there's that dynamic where you might be trying to take my man, or you might try to, you might be trying to holler at my wife, mm -hmm. or so there's got to be a level of trust. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but saying that perhaps that that is the case that right. that folks do invite them in. So trying to, in other words, trying to connect with those circles that reflect who you are and how you identify in right. the space that you sort of want to be in. Um, sometimes I think it takes working through some of that in counseling and, and being able to, uh, you know, sort of explore what's getting in my way. Yes, yes. You know, yeah, like what's getting in my way? What's getting in my way? And, and, and a lot of times what's getting in our way is us. Right. And so ultimately, by the time we circle back around to unpacking what's getting in the way, I, we get back to you. Right. You need to get out your way. Right, right. And, and, and the internalization of our past. Pain. Absolutely. That gets in our way. You Absolutely. Know, you know, we, my therapist and I, we talk about a whole host of things. Mm -hmm. You know, that that past. You know, he's he's not pushing me to get married, but he 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 he's like, I want you to, I want you to think about, you know, really think about what what does partnership look like, yeah. and and how does that past pain, those past experiences that I've had in relationships, good or bad, mm -hmm. get me to this point. So that's interesting. How therapy. We want to make sure that we bring that back. Therapy. Um, how we can get the most out of it. Yeah. Um, you are listening to WBOK, 1230 AM. Uh, this is the What's Your Revolution show. I'm the host, Dr. Charles Corpru, having a wonderful conversation about uh, relationships between, healthy relationships between men and women with my good friend, Dr. Tammy Wilborn. We're talking about, right now, images and messages. Where do we go to get these images and messages that show us what healthy relationships look like, particularly, and I'm going to move this to our, our men, where can men go? Um, who who can they talk to? Because, I mean, hey, bro, I, I'm looking to have a healthy relationship. You know, can that doesn't seem to come up. Mm -hmm. You know, where can we go? You know, and I'm asking you from your clinical perspective, where can men go to begin to look for ideals, values, philosophies of healthy relationships? I think for me, the question that I would sort of put back is, where do men go, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean... Thank, thanks, thanks, Dr. Wilbur. <laughs> <laughs> where do they go? Right? I'm going to put it out there. Men, where do you go? Yeah. You know, where you call in. Call in. 504-260-9265. Where do you go? If you want to have this conversation about how to, healthy, how to have a healthy relationship, 
where are you going? Therapy, Dr. You know, I'm trying to put this on Dr. Wilborn. Um, I think for me, uh, I have a good group of friends. Um, and I think where you go is you develop, a re- you develop friendships and relationships with men that you can have trust and honesty, who will call you out. Yeah. And so my four best friends, Quince, Kyrie, Phil, and Eli, they will call me on the carpet in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. You know, and you know, and so and you have to be willing to deal with that visceral uh, reaction when they're like, "Yo, that's 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 messed up, dog." <laughs> or you too old to be doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You too old to be you too old to be doing that. Yeah. And um, so I think that's. It, but, but if you don't have people who are going to check you, and we don't see a lot of images of healthy masculinity or healthy relationships with women, mm-hmm. or even, you know, or healthy relationships with other men uh, in intimate relationships, I am looking for. You know, I, I want to be. I want the listeners to be able to say, you know, what I can go here. Um, so creating those dynamics with friends, seeking therapy. Is it pushing for? Is it is listening to the What's Your Revolution show? Mm-hmm. Um, Anything else that you can think about that's going to help men find these images and messages of healthy masculinity in relationships, to form healthy relationships? I mean, I just keep going back to, you know, identifying um, sources of support that are already out there that are doing some of the things. So it could be support groups. Um, it could be uh, certain affiliations, maybe spiritual. It could be a right. spiritual affiliation. It could be professional. They're, they're, fraternal. It could be fraternal. So exactly. you're asking the Omegas to get together and talk about. Possibly. I don't know what <laughs> Omegas talk about. I could ask my cousin. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think looking to see what is out there um, because the reality is um, oftentimes even though what people struggle with feels isolating, you're not struggling alone. There's somebody out there that's right, also struggling right. with that. We have we have online presence now, so we have online communities right. that are also uh, opportunities for people to uh, be heard. You know, to be uh, validated if that's what they that's, need. That's what women do, Doctor Women. They have, I see all these great communities online, women empowered. You know, uh, I'm actually a part of a group called Beyond Fine, mm-hmm. uh, a group of women uh, and a couple of men who are uh, about wellness, as we talked about. Do we go on? I mean, do we go online? You know, I, I mean, think I think there's a great option. I it's just, online. yeah, it's just getting men to go on and be vulnerable and saying, you know, I may be struggling with this, or I'm looking. Many you might have to say that I'm struggling with this, but I'm looking for some images. Can you direct me? And mm-hmm. was in, and, and that takes us back to the last week's converse, conversation. Excuse me, with the uh, uh, style icon Torrance Taylor uh, and uh, uh, El Kasimu Harris, and we talked about image. And, and where where are we getting style images, those positive images of brothers? Um, we talked uh, a few minutes ago before the show that we've lost the everyday image of what we perceive. So we don't know the background of, right. of President Obama and the First Lady uh, Michelle Obama, but what we got to see for eight years. How many people have on their you know as their Facebook profile pic- picture an image of President Obama and First Lady. Mm-hmm. I mean, loving, you know, the smile. The, smile. <laughs> the interesting thing, not only the smile on his face, right, but the smile on her face. Mm-hmm. Those intimate, loving images. And I think possibly we have to try to go back and look at historically images of couples who are happy, 
this is what it looks like Absolutely. to have conversations. My father, you know, uh, God bless his soul, will be um, 88 um, next week, wow. Valentine's Day. That's great. Yeah, 88. And so I've gotten to the point where I ask him about his journey. Um, so he's been married three times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Third time's the charm. He was married for six months, six years, and then with my mother now, 52 years. So it's interesting having conversation with him about his experiences, being married and why he got divorced, um, and how much he loves my mother. And now he's honorary, you know, at 88. <laughs> but when that honorary, you know, demeanor goes away, he will say, I love your mother. Mm-hmm. I depend on her. You know, if he had a heart attack um, right after Thanksgiving. And what it showed us is that this man who has led, you know, banks, been a principal, CEO of organizations, said, you know what, I can't do this without, I've had, I've done it, I've been the leader, I've been the, the patriarch of our family, but without your mother now, this would fall apart. So it's, it's asking him, you know, what did you see? So I, I get to see that image um, as I continue to work through this journey of being healthier, mm-hmm. trying, yeah, trying to find my way. Uh, but I want to make sure that our, you know, the, the brothers who listen to the show, ancestors who listen to the show, that there are images that they can go seek. So it's been a good show, Dr. Wilbur. Yeah. We've had a great conversation. You know, we talked about uh, the sex conversation. You know, ho- hopefully if you're out there now and you got and you need to have that conversation with your partner, you are courageous. Uh, you are very courageous and revolutionary to say, you know what, I want to have this open conversation with you because it's going to make our relationship stronger. Yes. Don't take it personal. Don't take it too personal. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, don't take it too personal. We've talked about, you know, how to go and seek those images um, to find the most positive versions of ourselves. So if you wanted to say, just in the last couple of minutes that we have together, um, what would you want to say to our audience about finding and maintaining a healthy relationship? What would you say to women and then what would you say to men? I would say, you know, to be healthy with someone else, you have to first be healthy with and to and for yourself. And so if you know that you are uh, struggling with something that's getting in your way, beyond your ability to uh, get support from family or friends or, you know, whatever, uh, go, go talk to a counselor. I mean, that, that's what a professional counselor is there for, is to, to be able to, to facilitate people um, healing and being healthy first to themselves and then to other people. Right. So I definitely want to, to, to continue to advocate for and, and push out the message of professional counseling is something that's available, not only available, but avail- available to us, right. to black folk, because we don't think we get counseling, and we do get counseling, and we sure need it. Right. So. <laughs> we sure need it. You know, <laughs> you know, I have some good good friends, Dr. Denise Sherbington, mm-hmm. uh, wonderful resource in the city. Uh, the Institute for Women and Ethnic Studies are doing a lot of great things, and, um, and she is a big proponent of people going to therapy, and especially men. And she and she will say, you know, Charles, men do go to therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, she is a big proponent of that so, and, a, and a wonderful friend. So saying that to women, you know, if you had to really say something critical to men, what would you say about being healthy in a relationship? 
Um, I think I would echo what I just said in terms of, you know, if there's some blockages, uh, first of all, you, you got to step outside of yourself right. and, and recognize that if you are socialized with method messages that are keeping you from being your best self, you need to look at those messages again and replace them with your own discernment um, about what is good and healthy and right for you. Right, right. That's And that, that's the hard work right there. Yeah. Yeah, that is definitely the hard work when you step back and say, you know what, maybe I'm not in the healthiest space. Yeah, but you got to want that for yourself. Right. And you got to want it harder than for yourself than anybody can want it for you. Right, right. Dr. Wilburn, thank you for being on the show. We uh, appreciate How can uh, our listeners get in touch with you? So you, I can be reached by phone, area code 504-509-3995, or email uh, info at wilbornclinicalservices.com or website wilbornclinicalservices.com. Right, right. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is the What's Your Revolution show. I'm your host, Dr. Charles Corporal. I want to give a big shout-out to the Debbie K. Kellogg Foundation for their support of this show. And we want to send a special message to our brothers and sisters out in New Orleans East who are dealing uh, with the recovery of what happened yesterday here in our fair city. And we want to send our love and prayers and thoughts out to all of those who are going to start that tumultuous recovery process that our city knows oh too well. And we want to send everyone from the W uh, What's Your Revolution show sends our thoughts, our prayers, and our loves, and hopefully... Uh, that times will get better for you much soon. We look forward to hearing from you next week. Have a wonderful week. And always ask yourself, what's your revolution?